I want the people that are listening to realize that to have a vibrant recovery, one needs to find a creative outlet. And each and every one of us has a gift that's very important to the world, that's uniquely yours. Part of the joy of sobriety is finding out what those things are, discerning them, learning about them, playing with them, and then inflicting them upon others if you wish. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hello, my little chickadees. That was the voice of Mr. J.S. from Sedona, Arizona, that you heard at the beginning of this episode, and you are going to hear so much more from him in just a moment. I just noticed that Sedona and Arizona rhyme. I'm sure people from Sedona already know that, but nonetheless. But first things first, this episode, the one you're listening to right here, right now at this very moment, is brought to you by Rob and Damon and Allison and Patricia and Tanya and Jolene. You know what Rob and Damon and Allison and Patricia and Tanya and Jolene did. They went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They clicked on the little yeller donate tab and they made a contribution. Thank you so much, Rob and Damon and Allison and Patricia and Tanya and Jolene. Jolene, 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 Jolene. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That just came out. That's a song by, uh, I think it was Dolly Parton, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, she does a much better job with it than I do. But rarely do I get to say the word Jolene. And it just came belting out. But anyway, thank you all very much for your generosity. This episode is coming right out to you. Muchas gracias, excuse me, muchas gracias, I can't even say the word right, <sighs> my bilinguality coming right out at you, and as I, as I have said before, God grants that talent of bilinguality to some people and not others, and please do not be jealous of my bilinguality. 
Nonetheless, uh, for those of you who joined us last week at the David G. Sober Speak live event, I am so appreciative that you came out. We had such a good time. Uh, I, I know many of you said to me, it was so nice to put a name to a face. Uh, and for me, it was so nice to put a name to a face for me and just to get to meet so many of you from around the world. Uh, it was just absolutely a great time. Thank you so much. Um, the Secret Facebook Group. If you are not in the Secret Facebook Group, and why would you not be in the sacred face, Secret Facebook Group? That is really the question. But if you want to send your email, by the way, let me go ahead and reiterate again. I've just said it in the past, but it is not secret because we are a secret society, so to speak, and it is exclusive, if you will. If you want to be in it, you can come on in. Uh, the only reason it is a secret Facebook group is to protect the anonymity of those folks who are in there. If you want to be part of that secret Facebook group, send me your email associated to with not with, not to, but with, associated with your Facebook account to John, J-O-H-N, at Soberspeak.com. It's absolutely free. There's no charge. Just a bunch of like-minded friends of Bill W., Al-Anon, and other 12-step groups in there, just encouraging one another and helping each other through this thing called recovery. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it is at, at SoberSpeak, all one word. And if you want to send me a voice memo, you can either click the voice memo on your phone and send it to John, G-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com, or you can go to our website, SoberSpeak.com, click on the Contact Us tab, and you will see on the right-hand side of the screen a little microphone, and it says send voicemail, and I would love to hear from you. In fact, we have a voicemail coming up on the uh, end of this uh, episode today during listener feedback. All right, everybody, now on to Mr. J.S. from Sedona, Arizona. As per the comment you heard at the beginning of this episode, Jay encourages everyone in recovery to find your seat on the bus. Uh, before we get into Jay's story on the second half of this episode, we discuss the writing of the big book, Jay's affinity for uh, history, not only AA history, but history in general. We discuss Jay's involvement with Kitchen Table AA and the roots of that movement, and Jay's commitment, Jay's commitment to be a bodhisattva. Yes, and I have some questions about that. Uh, and if you don't know what a bodhisattva is, just continue to listen on to the episode. On the back end of this episode, we address more traditional subject, subjects, such as Jay's reliance upon his Ford Pinto before coming into AA, uh, what the telltale signs of alcoholism are, and Jay's encounter with Butcher Joe in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. All right, everybody, enjoy Mr. J.S., and we will be back at the end of this episode with plenty of listener feedback. So buckle up and enjoy the ride, and we'll see you on the back end of this thing. Okay, everybody, so today we are fortunate enough to be sitting here with Mr. J.S. from the Sedona 
Arizona area. So, Jay, first of all, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, and give your sobriety date if you wish, please. Yeah, my name's Jay. I'm a uh, very, very grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and also a uh, joyous member of the Al-Anon family groups. Um, I came to you on the second day of May in 1979. So today, when we're recording, actually is serendipitous because it's actually my 31st anniversary of coming to the fellowship, and I've been consecutively uh, sober since then. So it's a how about that? Congrats. Did you say you're 41st? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fantastic, Mr. J.S. That is, I'm, I'm so glad we get to do this today. I didn't, yeah. uh, I didn't even know. So yeah. And then after done with you, I'm going up to uh, Hamilton, Ontario by Zoom and speaking about spiritualism and mysticism in AA. So really? Yeah. So it'll be a lot. Of, well, maybe lot we get it. Quite an active day for me. Yes, I bet. <laughs> my home group, the Sedota Reflections, and uh, got to leave the meeting because it was my birthday and stuff. So it's uh, good fun today. Good for you. Well, spiritualism and mysticism. Maybe we can hit some of that on this uh, podcast as well. It'd be oh. kind of interesting. Okay, so a lot of our listeners, the ones that are listening to this uh, podcast right now, they know Mr. Bill C. very well because we've had him on this podcast uh, numerous times. Uh, in fact, we have a uh, I have a live meeting coming up with him uh, this coming Friday. I don't know exactly when I will release this uh, pod, this episode, but uh, we we have something coming up with Bill C. Just so your 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 listeners know, um, I know far more about Bill C. than is safe to know. <laughs> I've been his sponsor for the whole thirty five years that he's been in the fellowship, um, and he is without a doubt one of the. Uh, one of the great resources. I I was looking for a way to try and describe our association once, and I, I found it in the doctor's opinion. And it's Silkworth talks about the, uh, the forces of good that lie beyond our synthetic knowledge. And I believe that uh, Mr. C and my association is a force for good that lies way beyond synthetic knowledge. Very nice. So I think you and he and Matthew, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. because are started up something called the kitchen, kitchen table. Kitchen table AA, yeah. What we were what we were trying to do is is that uh so you know today um John, we're gonna I'm gonna be speaking about a lot of different things. I'm gonna be giving my opinions very forcefully. They uh, they'll sound as if they're uh, facts. They're very good opinions, and they should be yours. But, <laughs> but anyway, um, I believe that uh, that that it is impossible to know the gift of the twelve steps until you've taken another person through them. Mm. And without that, you don't have an idea of the transformation that has happened to you personally. And so how can we encourage people to, uh, to go ahead and embark on this thing called sponsorship because folks get all weirded out behind it like it's some kind of mind control or you know thought control. No, 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 no. If I do my job 
in Alcoholics Anonymous and sponsoring people won't, then what happens is, is that the people that I sponsor are better AA members than I was at that time. Because hopefully what I'm able to do is share my mistakes and experiences candidly enough that they may not have to suffer as long or in the same way that I did at different points in their sobriety. So Alcoholics Anonymous is non-hierarchical. So we, uh, although we try to make it that way, and, and one of the things that Bill Wilson talked about was hopefully that the fellowship would be spiritual enough that it would not place authority in the hands of old timers, which, you know, it just goes against everything that we get taught, right? Especially those of us that got sober in the 70s, which was before, you know, back in those days, you could actually read the big book unsupervised. It was, it was quite remarkable. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, but, but so what, what happens is, is that we have this desire to place authority on others. Uh, and, and so we do that in AA with people that have a long time, or those of us who, you know, can, uh, can put syllables together consecutively. You know, they go, oh, make him talk, you know, and, and so we do. And all right. Stuff, you know? and, and so what's up? So what happens is, is that Alcoholics Anonymous is set up in a way that if I do my job well as a sponsor, that my sponsee should be better than I. My grandson sponsee should be better than I. This person that he sponsors should be better than me because they've gotten some honest information, hopefully sooner than I did. Mm -hmm. And so that, anyway, that's, that's, that's kind of the, what we really are trying to do here is we're trying to make it so that the newest person gets the most and best information that we can possibly give them. So I was on a a conference via Zoom. I think it was last week, possibly the week before, with you and Matthew, who Bill sponsors, right. and yourself. Uh, and it was called what was the name of it again? Do you remember? Well, it was Kitchen Table AA. The the uh, the uh, was the name of the conference. It was put on by uh, four groups down in New Orleans, who I know way too well. Uh, just wonderful. You know, I mean, great places to drink are great places to be sober. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so the fellowship in New Orleans is just, you know, just great. And it's a lot of fun. So they had uh, the carrier pigeons, the neck breakers, the, uh, the big easy group. And um, there was one of those four home groups that, you know, we're talking about sponsorship and then, Bill and Matthew and I did a, uh, a piece on um, spiritual condition. What is it? How do you develop it? Uh, how do you maintain it? It was a lot of fun. And we've, uh, Bill and, and uh, Matthew and I have done that all over the planet, some very interesting places in front of some very, very odd characters. So I, I definitely get the idea of Kitchen Table AA, right? One person at a table sitting down from another, one-on-one, mm -hmm. uh, -on -one, taking somebody right. through the steps, talking about, you know, AA and recovery and the program and those sorts of things. So I get that. Right. But where? what is the, like, do you know, by the way, and as a side note, 
a lot of my listeners have, because I've given Bill's email out on the podcast many times over, and they have contacted Bill and they're on his email list that comes out every day. So, but what, what is the genesis of it? Where did it start? Were y'all talking about it one day as a group? Where did it come oh, from? Oh, what, you mean the, the, the daily ma- mailing? Well, both the, but actually just kitchen table AA in general, Bill was telling me that there was somebody over in, I think the Netherlands that he kind of took over for on that, uh, daily on the, on the, uh, on the email. Yes. Our our friend, a guy that I sponsor, uh, Edward. Yes. And, uh, but, but the kitchen table AA was, we were invited to go, I think it was to Iceland, Bill and Matthew and I, and, um, and when our wives found out that we'd been invited to Iceland, they made sure that they were going too because they heard about the uh, the uh, the the beauties of Iceland, all the yeah. different people. Yeah, bad. We were invited to Iceland. We were going. Well, what are we going to do? And we came up with this idea of that um, I would talk about what it was that my sponsor did with me, which was very different with what I did with my sponsees and my work with my sponsees has developed over the years. I mean, if I'm doing, if I was doing the same thing today that I was doing 41 years ago, should take me out and shoot me. Mm, Right. You know, obviously I'm not growing along uh, spiritual lines. And I started sponsoring people when I had 28 days. sober. I did my first inventory when I had about 25 days and, and, uh, but a guy asked me to sponsor him and I, I called my sponsor up. I said, what do I do? And my sponsor said, uh, will you say yes? I said, really? <laughs> and he said, Jay, if they're sick enough to ask you for help, you can't hurt them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so this fundamental piece of information was the genesis upon which Bill and Matthew and I have, you know, done stuff in Thailand and, you know, Fiji and, Iceland and the Netherlands and, you know, all over the United States and Canada. And, um, and it's just been, it's been a great, it's been a great, uh, a great joy because the, the fellowship has definitely changed a, a lot over, uh, over the 41 years that, uh, that I've been involved. Heck, uh, if I don't drink for another couple of years, I'll be sober half as long as the fellowship's been on the planet. Uh-huh which is, you know, very odd. Yeah. But, uh, but it's, you know, you don't drink, you don't die, and uh, you work with others, and it's amazing what can happen. Okay, so when we were on that conference I was talking about last week, toward the end mm-hmm. of it, Bill said something to the effect of, in, uh, he was referring to you, and he Not said... Not pure. Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I remember him saying that he's not pure because he uh, he smokes uh, tobacco. But the the thing that I remember him saying about you, though, in particular, is he said Jay is one of the hokiest guys that I've ever been around in my life. <laughs> what do you think he meant by that? Cleveland's so flipping cool. He was almost dead when I met him. So his <laughs> his uh, his vocabulary sometimes a little stilted. Uh, but what he means is that um that i am uh i'm an enthusiastic member of alcoholics Anonymous. i i'm a dedicated bodhisattva uh, i am I, my the purpose of my life 
is to help people get on the spiritual path. Okay, Bodhisattva. Let, let's let's stop there because the, yeah. really the only familiarity that I have heard of it before. I know there was a Steely Dan song back in the day, oh, good. right? Good. Very the, good. Your parents uh, inflicted that one on you. Is that <laughs> <laughs> it was a great song. And so, uh, what is a Bodhisattva? Well, let's let's. I know what I believe it is, but let's let's uh, give you what. Wikipedia, which is an odd thing in itself, um, says and, about it. And but, those of you who can't see right now, he's looking it up on his cell phone on a Wikipedia. Yeah. Okay, so a bodhisattva is a person able to reach nirvana but delays doing so out of compassion in order to save suffering beings. So is that what you agree with? Oh, yeah. yeah that's, okay. good. that's good as any. Um if you want to, uh, there's a wonderful poem called by Sam Shoemaker called I Stand by the Door. Mm -hmm. And it's the, the idea is that my, um, my purpose is to put the hand of a suffering person on the lock that only opens to their own touch. The lock that allows them to find God, find nirvana, find peace, find sobriety whatever adjective you want to use. But that my job is, is that I need to be where I can be found in the fellowship. I need to be on the firing line. I need to be, uh, you know, yesterday for, uh, for my 41st anniversary in Alcoholics Anonymous, I had a 15-year-old man ask me to sponsor him. Mm. How odd is that? But anyway, so back to the hokiness. Um, I've been transformed. I've been transformed through working the steps of the program. I've, I've had uh, a variety of spiritual experiences, not only of the education, a lot of the educational variety, but uh, uh, also the sudden variety. I've, um, I've been uh, a historian uh, of the movement for um, 35 years. Uh, I've been all over the planet uh, working with the Oxford group and, and those people. Um, and, but I've always been a, uh, an active member of AA. And what do I mean by that? I've, I've always, you know, gone to meetings. I've always had a sponsor and I've always sponsored people. And, uh, that doesn't mean when you have a business or you have a child, you don't get down to one meeting a week. Mm -hmm. But you have to fight as time goes on to go, get back into your to your seat. So, uh, so I, I'm looking behind you there. Mm -hmm. You have a, uh, a book and it's called the writing of the big book. Mm -hmm. And when we were speaking last week, briefly, mm -hmm. you mentioned that yes. book. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that book and what it means to you, where it came from. So I'm best described in, in the big book as a strange chap with a queer idea of fun. Mm -hmm. So I'm a historian. So that's my weirdness. Um, so this book, The Writing of the Big Book by William Schaberg, that's S-C-H-A-B-E-R-G. And I'll be happy to send you a list of uh, uh, links and, and tools, if you wish, things that I think are oh. really important that you ought to think are important, too. But yeah, <laughs> but, it, um, uh, but this book uh, is the first major historical work since not God. 
So it's been over 45 years since there's been a major historical work about Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, what makes this a historical work? Well, number one, it's completely written from primary research and primary documents. And uh, one of the fun things about being a historian is that uh, you know that everybody's got their own agenda. And uh, so you got to be real clear about what the agenda is. Now, mine, just so we can be up front, is that I'm allergic to fundamentalism in any form whatsoever. Let's explain that. I'm against the codifying of fables to represent a uh, particular point of view about recovery. Give me an example of that. So this is one of the things I used to say a lot. Back in the day, you, know, you read the forward to the second edition. It says 50% of the people that came to AA and really tried, got sober and stayed sober. 25% um, after some slips, they returned to AA and maintained sobriety. And 25%, if they continued to go to meetings, showed general improvement. When I first read that, or maybe not first read it, but maybe like the second or third time. By the time I was two years sober, I was sponsoring a bunch of guys. I was sober, man. Armed with steps, <laughs> concepts, and traditions. Able to leap tall buildings with a single bound. You have an alcoholic who has a drinking problem. Give them to me. I'll show them how to properly work the steps. And I've got the information to give them. Right? Now, that... I did my most effective work in AA between the time I was two years sober and the time I was about 14 years sober, because I was, I was right up after it, right? The thing is that I read a lot of Oxford group literature and did presentations all over about, you know, how AA really started and used Oxford group literature to inform a look at the big book and the steps and where they come from and all that stuff. And we can go down all those wormholes time. But a lot of the time, I would say Bill meant this. This is what Bill was talking about. This is where he got that. Now, I'm the most fortunate male form that you've ever met. And I've had the opportunity to, um, right now, the, the project that I'm involved with is I'm writing a biography of Bill Wilson, 1955 to 1970. I've had the privilege of reading somewhere between 500 and 1,000 of his letters. So I know that these are, these are things that are said. I, I, I kind of like to say it's like uh, I know I'm at the, coffee at the coffee table after the meeting. This is the coffee Bill and Bob that I know. They're not having to, having to cloak things correctly in order to make sure that the message is getting across and the like. And so I've read all these letters. Bill never once says, if you look at page 45, the third paragraph, the second line, you will see the answer to the problem that you're describing. Never once. Not one time does he tell somebody. The only place that I've found any reference to him telling anybody to work some steps or anything was that he got a letter from a guy in San Francisco that got kicked out of a club for being 
an atheist. And uh, Bill said, it sounds like there's a little bit more to this. You probably ought to go and do a fourth step and take a look at what your, what your, uh, your participation is in this. I was looking for a way to know precisely what the author was, the point that the author was making. And I do that really, really well. But the truth is, it's coming through me. It's not Bill Wilson giving these pronouncements that, that were, you know, supposed to be life changing. That, you know, that there are, there are people, I, I think the best way to describe them is technicians. And they can break the book down for you and all that stuff. And they can, they can tell you why. Do you know why there's a comma here? <laughs> if you don't understand why there's a comma here, you're going to die drunk. That's right. But Wilson never, ever came across like that. In fact, time and time again, what he says is that Alcoholics Anonymous is only a spiritual kindergarten from which we are all free to graduate at any time we choose. Mm. I, I mean, it's stunning to me to, uh, to go through some of the, the correspondence that he has with original people from Akron and, and New York, and they haven't been to meetings in 20 years because they'd been to spiritual kindergarten and now they're off doing other things. He never once says, hey, why are you going to meetings, sponsoring people, doing this, doing that? No, he just says, I'm stuck. He keeps saying, I'm stuck in AA. I wish I could graduate like I could leave like you have. Very well put. All right. We will be continuing our conversation with JS in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at SoberSpeak.com. There you will find ah, about 135 or so other uh, episodes you can listen to for free. And uh, you can also find on our website the donate button you can use if and only if the spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right, now back to Mr. J.S. So very fascinating conversation. I absolutely love it. And uh, I had not thought about it from that particular perspective, but I can definitely relate to my first, especially two years in Alcoholics Anonymous, and then up through like seven or so, thought I had all the answers uh, in terms of, I know exactly how you need to work the big book, because this is how I experienced it. M imagine that. Yeah. Um, all right. So, you know, I never know exactly where these conversations are going to go sure. once we start sure. them, right? And that's why I love to have them. This is like, to me, uh, I get to sit down and have a cup of coffee, so to speak, with yeah. guys like you who have been around for a long time and have some great experience and some great ideas. Uh, okay, so, but let's go back then. Obviously, before you got into Bodhisattva <laughs> and, and looking at the original writings of Bill Wilson, you probably had some challenges before you came into AA, right? So why don't we go back to the beginning? If I remember right, there's a 
Pinto in your story, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was living in my Pinto. Um, <laughs> for those of you who uh, are not familiar with it, it was a smart car that the Ford Motor Company built in the 70s for alcohol. <laughs> and uh, it was highly flammable like the uh, like the occupants. Yes, and, yes. Um, and I didn't know I was alcoholic. So let, let me, uh, I'll, I'll drop back just a, a little bit. I think that one of the, the most important things for long-term recovery is self-diagnosis. The AA that I came into, almost everyone there had to diagnose themselves. The tragedy nowadays, and it's not tragedy, it's just the way things have evolved, is that everybody's told they're an alcoholic, they get sent to AA, they're told they ought to get sober, blah, blah, blah. I had no idea that that was what was going on. I had people tell me I was an alcoholic, people that I drank too much, that if I just changed this or that, but I had no uh, recovery was not something that was culturally ingrained in the late seventies. It wasn't until the mid eighties that it actually, you know, with when Betty Ford really started rolling and all that stuff. So, um, so anyway, I didn't know I was alcoholic. Um, I, uh, and, and so how do you figure out whether you are? Well, you know, a good way place to start is take a look at your family of origin. So my father's family are from the hills of Kentucky. I don't think we need to say any more there. His <laughs> maiden name is Wallace. So it's got all the alcoholism and violence that you'd ever want to walk <laughs> upon the earth. Now... You put those two together, my folks were really good looking. My dad, my dad was dropped dead and women loved him and he drank and moved fast. And uh, my mother was gorgeous and she didn't drink at all. <laughs> so the violence in our home came from the unrecovered Alan. But I mean, like my dad's dad and, and my mom's dad, they, you know, they both were my, my mom's father owned uh a jazz club in Seattle in the, in the forties and fifties. He, uh, he knew a thing or two about, about having a good time. Um, So, and I was the short guy in school. I don't know if you guys remember the short guy. I can't throw the ball as far. I can't run as fast, but by the time I'm 12, 13 years old, I find that I have a talent better than guys that are bigger and tougher and stronger than me. I can metabolize beverage alcohol. Mm Mm-hmm. And obviously, when one is gifted, one needs to pursue the gifts. How do I know that I'm alcoholic? Well, by the uh, so, what I like to tell people to do is take a look at uh, what you do for recreation, and then see what happens when the non-alcoholic population does the same behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for me, just just for fun, because I, I mentioned earlier, I got this. 15-year-old guy that I'm going to be uh, working with, um, by the time I'm 15 years old, my idea of a good time is to take a rack of reds. Those are three high-powered sedatives, second all, and wash it down with a quart of spinata wine. Now, in 90% of the population, when you do that kind of interaction, what happens is, is the brain 
starts to shut down. The body forgets how to breathe. If you throw up, you aspirate, you die. You call it Hollywood death. With me, I'm looking for car keys and to make short-term romantic commitments. <laughs> Which brings me to another aspect of this alcoholism. It's called blackouts. What a blackout is, is when the short-term memory is unable to link to the long-term memory. That middle area just kind of gets washed out during the course of the night. And uh, I had no idea that what was going on was that this was a, you know, like 90% of the population, they wake up with, if you wake up with something that you're unfamiliar with, when you leave the house in the morning, <laughs> you may want to take a look at what's going on with your drinking and drug use. That's right. Right? <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about, you know, traumatic events. Waking up with something in the morning that you don't know what to call it. Like most people, 90% of the population, they do that. That's it. We're not drinking anymore. That's it. Away. With me, I'm coming up with coping skills. (laughs) Right? Which is you give them a crayon. You don't want to give them a sharp object. And a piece of paper. And you say, would you please write your phone number down? This is before cell phones. Hoping that they put their name down so you'd know what to call them. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, I did that time and time and time and time again. And uh, I just thought it was part of the price to pay. So this is, this is what alcoholism looks like to me. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You come home and they've changed the locks. <laughs> what? The nerve. So, so you pound on the door, right? You know, and uh, and finally they open it and they're crying. And they go, "Where the hell are you?" Oh, and they got your uh, they got the alcoholic luggage waiting for you, two hefty bags with all your belongings in it, and it's on the porch. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know where you been? Well, I've been busy doing what. And see, I don't understand that what I am is alcoholic, which means that I cannot use alcohol in any form whatsoever, that the first drink sets off a craving in me that doesn't happen in most people. The Chinese say that the man takes a drink, then the drink takes a drink, and then the drink takes a man, takes the man. And and so that's kind of what would happen, and I had no idea. So... She's, she's crying. She goes, look, you knew my mother was coming over for dinner last night. Where the hell were you? Well, now, Tuesday, I got off work. Two o'clock in the morning. I tend bar for a living because I like to be close to the supply. <laughs> I, I, you know, we clean up. We have a few pops. We get out of there. We go up to the Comet Tavern. We we uh it was the local after hours place we drink some port wine um do a couple other you know some of that peruvian marching powder and then at six o'clock in the morning we can finally go out and get a real drink right so we go down to larry's green front we have a few pops and push some food around on a plate and then we go out and get some more of that peruvian marching powder and we drink all through the day and all through the night and i'm home now because it's the only place it's open. 
I have no consciousness that I'm supposed to be someplace else that I am, mm-hmm. than I am. Um, it's not that I forgot it, I just couldn't get around to it. And so this is what my life, so what happens is, is I end up violating the trust of anybody that ever puts any in me. Be my employer, my friend, my lover, whatever. So that's, that's what alcoholism is. Uh, I, I end up, I'm 24 years old, I'm living in my pino. I've got nine driving under the influences, I got three in the past nine weeks, I'm kind of in trouble. Um, it was, for the younger people out there, it was before computers, so there was no big deal about that. Um, that you could hang a lot of paper before they catch up with you. Anyway, so I'm, uh, my dad bails me out of jail, and I'm, I'm sitting there having a vodka rocks with him, and he, and he says, uh, do you think you have the disease? And I said, well, huh? And the still small voice inside of me said, pay really close attention. You might get the lawyer paid for it. Right. So I paid close attention. Says, I got a guy that I want you to talk to. Here's his number. You can go down and stay with my mother. And so I drove down to El Segundo. He said, don't have anything to drink. He gave me 40 bucks for gas and food. And so I got a case of course, because, you know, Beer isn't beer isn't drinking, right? It's a food, right? I mean, yes, yeah, you know, of course. People that think that that beer is 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 drinking are the same kind of people that think that smoking marijuana is doing drugs. Well, it's what you <laughs> do between drugs, you know. So, so anyway, I, I I go I go to my grandmother's. I call this guy up the next day. He says uh, he says meet me at the Howard Johnson's in Culver City. Uh, tomorrow at 7.30 in the morning. Don't have anything to drink. Don't smoke any of that crap either. How do you know? How do you know? So anyway, I, I go into this coffee shop, and we order breakfast, and, and, and he starts talking about himself and talking about himself and talking about himself. He had problems in his life, and then he met Alcoholics Anonymous, and he didn't have any problems in his life anymore, and he's talking about it sometimes. It's been half an hour. I've been drinking. I didn't drink bad. I'm trying to think, what am I going to do here? And he's not closing me. Oh, I'll prompt him. So I say, hey, do I need psychiatric treatment? What about religion? Do I require hospitalization? And he looks at me and he says, listen, Trick, if you or your family can get a hold of the three grand it's going to cost to put you into treatment for 30 days, he says, go out and drink that money up. And when you're done, call Alcoholics Anonymous. They do it for fun and for free. And he got up and he looked at me and he said, if you want AA, you're going to have to go after it like you went after your drugs and alcohol. He said, uh, it's in the white pages of the phone book. Good luck, kid. And he left. Mm. He didn't take me by the hand and walk me into the rooms and go, oh, here's the new man. I said, punk, if you want it, go get it. And this was the AA that I came into. The people were not... Um, they were more interested in saving my life than they were about my feelings. And so they spoke very direct. They were mean to me. So I like to say that I came into AA before newcomers had a union. <laughs> so this guy leaves. I go back to my grandmother's house. I pour myself a big drink. I 
knock it back, light a cigarette, and I called Alcoholics Anonymous. May 2nd, 1979. I end up at a noon meeting. So, uh, yeah, we're, uh, the noon meeting's just about over. <laughs> so it really is 41 years, because that was my last drink. And I, uh, I roll into this, roll into this Alano club and the woman behind the coffee board looks at me and she goes, you upstairs. And so I go toddling up these 12 steps into the meeting hall and everybody starts talking at me. And I can't understand why are they, why are they talking at me? Well, you know, my fingernails are long. My teeth are kind of brown. Um, you can tell that I spent a lot of money getting my hair cut. Oh, six, nine months ago. And when I have long hair, I look like the Sphinx. Uh, I'm shaking like a dog pass in a peach sh uh, seed. And uh, when I light a cigarette, it looks like a napalm strike's been called in. And uh, I'm wondering why they know I'm new. And this guy, he was the third guy who talked, and he looked right through me. His name was Butcher Joe. Butcher Joe. He's called Butcher Joe. He's missing a digit. And he talked about how the family cried when he, uh, when the family left, he cried the big crocodile tears. And inside he's going, yeah, baby, they're gone and now we can drink and nobody's going to get in our way. Mm -hmm. And I understood that. And he talked about knowing just how deeply to cut himself at work, that, they, that he'd need to go to the hospital, and on the way he could get the drink that he needed. Mm. And I understood that. Mm -hmm. I'd done that kind of behavior. So... And, and he said to me, he said, you don't ever have to feel the way that you feel about yourself ever again if you're willing to do the things that I've done. And I bought the package right there. I was sitting there and I just went, if I could not hate myself every moment, wow. And I looked at the steps on the wall and I wanted to throw up. And then I looked at the traditions and I went, oh, this is anarcho-syndicalism. I can stay here. Now, something miraculous happened at that meeting. There were four guys that were going down to the beach to play cards and watch girls roll, go by on roller skates. So I was introduced to spirituality and Alcoholics Anonymous my first day. These guys took me down. They took the new man along as entertainment. <laughs> and they just worked me over, you know. This is AA, kid, we don't use no dope here. I was horrified. I mean, how lame is that? I mean, you'd think they should at least put some kind of disclaimer in the name, right? <laughs> but no, and, and they, they said, look, there are people that are, that are smarter and tougher, more spiritual than you are, and they haven't been able to stay away from beverage alcohol using other substances. So if I'm smoking marijuana, sooner or later, I'm going to have to cut the cotton mouth and Pepsi ain't going to get it. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing a little non-habit forming cocaine, because cocaine was not addicted in the 70s. We just did it all the time. That's right. Um, <laughs> and uh, we weren't heir to the technology that some of you are. But, uh, but anyway, so... So that you need a double Bombay on the rocks with a twist just to take the edge off. And if you're being spiritual and dropping a little LSD, 
You need a gallon of wine just to settle through the experience. They said that was drinking. <laughs> Who knew? I would never have called that drinking. And they said, we don't drink. We don't use. We don't go with girls who do. What an order. I can't go through with it. <laughs> but I did get the first two down. The third one was a little, took a little while, <laughs> a but little I, got, I, I got that down. And by the way, is a, a, you know, full disclosure, I would never date anyone without a sponsor. Ever. Because I need backup. I need help. <laughs> so anyway, um, and these guys took me down and they, they, uh, they explained, uh, you know, that to me and I got it. I got that I cannot successfully ever pour booze down my throat without things going sideways. Now, it may take a couple of weeks or whatever, but, but sooner or later, much likely sooner than later, given all my experience, I cannot successfully pour liquor down my throat. I can't use alcohol in any form whatsoever. If the cough syrup has a shot glass on it, I can't have it. I don't drink kombucha. Why? Because a bunch of it has alcohol in it. It's got as much alcohol as a near beer. And people say, well, steady, you're just this old lame guy that doesn't really understand it. I say, look, I've, I've been to the funerals. Um, my brother-in-law, uh, Douglas, uh, one time quit drinking at great personal cost to come to work for me. And he, uh, he worked for me for about a week and then he went and got a, got a six pack of O'Doul's and then it was a couple of six packs and then it was a case a day and then it was two cases a day and he was off to the races and he ended up dying of cirrhosis. Alcohol in any form whatsoever. That's what it says in the forward to the, you know, in the doctor's opinion, you know. You got another opinion, that's fine, but it's not the AA opinion. Uh, this has been really uh, fascinating. Uh, I did not expect to go the ways we were going to go on the beginning of this, but I absolutely love it. I mean, that's great. Will you come back for me at some other point and uh, oh, maybe sure. uh, talk about some uh, additional topics? I want the people that are listening to realize that to have a vibrant recovery, one needs to find a creative outlet. And each and every one of us has a gift that's very important to the world, that's uniquely yours. So part of the joy of sobriety is finding out what those things are, discerning them, learning about them, playing with them, and then inflicting them upon others, if you wish. <laughs> that's great. I love it, Jay. I love it. So we'll get back together and kind of more do a, uh, a deep dive into some of the history of Alcoholics Anonymous and the Oxford groups. And uh, because I. Oh, yeah. I forgot the spiritualism and mysticism. Oh, and that's I right. We all, didn't even get there. And I can even go down the uh, all the different uh, psychopharmacological stuff, the niacin, the uh, uh, the leucoandrinochrome, the, the LSD, the mescaline, all that stuff. So we I can talk about those things also. Okay, great. And you're going to send me some links you said that I can put in the show notes uh, yeah. where people, if they want to pause their device, whatever they're listening to, they can click on those things and get some additional information. 
So I wrap up every episode just by reading a little passage here from page 164 of the big book. And it says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find, like Jay was talking about, and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us, like me and Mr. Jay, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, Mr. Jay, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Look forward to our next conversation. And happy birthday. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Jay, for your time and your insight. For those of you listening, I love what he said toward the end of the episode, and that is uh, each and every one of us has a gift that is very important to the world. And the idea is to get in touch with that gift and share it with the world. I will keep that in mind and try to cultivate my gift And I hope you will do the same. If you enjoyed that episode and you think that somebody else will benefit from hearing that, if you please would, take a moment to pause and share that particular episode on your device. And uh, it may be just what somebody else needs to hear today. And if you need to get in touch with Jay or any of the other speakers, send me an email to John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com. And I will be more than happy to pass that message on and to get you in touch with whoever you need to get in touch with. All right. Now, on to a little bit of listener de la feedback. Coming in, uh, number one here, we actually have a voicemail. By the way, if you were wondering to yourself, you're saying, self, how do I actually leave a voicemail for John M. and the Sober Speak podcast. Well, you go to our website, www.soberspeak.com. You click on the Contact Us tab, and you'll see a little microphone in the upper right-hand corner of the page that says, leave us a voicemail. And you go right there, and you can send your message in. All right, this voicemail comes from Mr. John B. of Philly. Here he goes. Hey, John. It's John from Philly. I just want to say thank you. I'm very blessed to get to meet you after the meeting and uh, talk to you and show some gratitude for you and what you're doing. Um, Sober Speak has helped me out tremendously over this past year. Just keep doing what you're doing, and uh, I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. John B., and love back out to you, my friend. It was so nice to meet you, uh, I won't say in person, virtually in person, after the David G. Live event the other night, and thank you so much for all your kind words, and thank you for listening. I'm so glad that we can be a part of your journey. Barry writes in from London Town, London Calling, London Calling. I added that part. He didn't say anything about London Calling. That's just me. Anyway, he says, hey, John, with five exclamation points. Boy, he's really amping it up, isn't he? He says, London Barry here. Greetings from Lock, 
down all the capital letters and a bunch of extra O's and a bunch of exclamation points. He says, 10 months sober and marching on one day at a time. Oh, God bless you, Barry. I'm so glad to hear that. He said, it's Friday night here in London, and that me and that makes one thing for sure. It's Sober speak time in all capital letters. And then he says, yee-haw, in about 12 E's and 12 A's and about five exclamation points. Mr. Barry is happy tonight. He says, hope you are well, John. Best wishes. Thank you for Mr. Barry. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Barry, for writing in. I'm glad all is going well over there in London. Kelly writes in and Kelly says, Hi, John. This is Kelly from Virginia. Virginia. I'm an Al-Anon member and I've been listening to your podcast for a long time and I enjoy them all. When I see the icon pop up, that a new show has been released. I'm always excited to hear a new one. Another podcast mentioned your show once, and I'm sorry I don't remember which one it was, but you are now a staple of my recovery program. We went back and forth and I think we figured out that it was the... uh, Uh, The Recovery Show with my friend Spencer. Nonetheless, she says, I speak Spanish, so I really think it's cute. (laughs) Hey, listen, hey, right on time. I really think it's cute and funny when you say, listener de la feedback. (laughs) And all the other words you incorporate. It adds a great personal flavor to the show, and I think it is very memorable and funny. I also enjoy the Australian accents you try. What are you saying? That mine aren't spot on? Is that what you're trying to say there, Miss Kelly? Anyway, she says, uh, uh, your humor is just delightful. I'm glad you think so. Some people don't. But nonetheless, as you say, well, hello, lords and ladies. <laughs> I think that's a great trademark uh, for you, and you are so authentic. Brenda J. was one of the episodes I remember strongly. She has a powerful speaking style that is very compelling. Honestly, all of the speakers are great. Now that I don't have to commute due to COVID, I listen to the podcast while doing chores like washing dishes or folding laundry. Yes, that can make time fly by. Um, Thank you for your service. Best wishes, Kelly. P.S. Don't ever apologize for laughing. Oh, thank you. Uh, I know you got that mean person, mean person saying you laugh too much, but that makes you so genuine. Uh, makes you so genuine and yourself. I think you said it at the beginning of the G- Reno John episode. That man is a hater. Laugh out loud. Keep being yourself. Muchas gracias. Well, de nada. Back. To you, Miss Kelly, I sure do appreciate it. And thank you. Yeah, you know, uh, you can't please all the people all the time. But thank you so much for your kind words. Damon writes in from across the pond. And he says, Johnny boy, (laughs) greetings from 
England, sober brother. How's it going, fella? I hope you and the crew are safe and well. Big smiley face. Great to hear from you, and thank you for the info on the Sober Speak Live. I'm looking forward to joining the Sober Speak brothers and sisters on Saturday morning from Sussex, UK, to be a part of in these crazy dark times just one question though geezer who's bringing the cookies <laughs> uh in <laughs> a big smiley face see you there mate damon when i can tell you mr damon by the way his twitter handle is uh at alcoholic dad then the number four i'm almost positive oh i shouldn't do this for memory but i think i got it right and uh and damon was able to join our sober speak live event the other night and i asked him what time it was because he came on right at the beginning and it was uh seven o'clock here and he said it was one o'clock a.m thank you so much for staying up mr damon and enjoying uh, uh excuse me and uh and joining in on the session for Sober Speak Live. I appreciate it. I'm going to try to have another one here in the future that is more uh, suitable, if you will, to the folks uh, in England and Europe all together. In other words, I'll try to have a midday here in the United States so uh, um, more people can join. Geraldine writes in from Ireland and she says, Hi, John. I'm from the north of Ireland. As Bill C. says, that is the birthplace of alcoholism. <laughs> Moved back home here after many, many years spent living in London. Well, I, I don't know if you know a Barry, but uh, who knows? It's, it's you know, uh, stranger things have happened. But nonetheless, so we so far we've had somebody from Ireland, we've had somebody from Sussex, and we've had somebody from London. But nonetheless, she says, I've been around AA for a while, but since moving back home, and I haven't attended many meetings. The format here is very different, and sometimes it feels more like a prayer meeting than an AA meeting. But I know... Uh, but I know, should I need them, they are always here. I walk a lot, even so more since the lockdown and listen to music. Then I changed to podcasts and I found Sober Speak on iTunes, I think, and listened for the first time last week on the sharing of steps five, six, and seven, which interested me, Geraldine. Well, thank you, Geraldine. Uh, you have plenty more episodes to tune in on if you would like. Okay, so Patricia wrote in. Patricia actually joined the Sober Speak Live event the other night as well. It was so good to see her. And Patricia is the one who has told me that she actually listens to Sober Speak to help her learn to speak English. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh no, that is so, I, I hope we don't steer her wrong. And so anyway, I think Patricia's first language is Spanish. And she says, hola, John. I guess that would be a hint. Her first language is Spanish. It was a pleasure to be a part of yesterday's meeting. She's talking about the Sober Speak Live event and put a face to the members. And she's talking about David G and some of the, and actually some of the other Sober Speak guests were on there, like Brenda J and some others. And anyway, that I've heard on the podcast and to all those who in one way or another make the message of AA continue to reach so many people, including 
giving me a million thanks. I would like to tell you a little bit about myself. Well, I'm glad, Patricia. She said, I met the program on June 17th, 2007 through a recovery alternative called Advanced Groups of Four and Five Steps. This alternative group was born in Mexico some 20 years ago, and some members brought it to the United States. And although at times my problems did not derive from the drinking, I have not returned to drink alcohol since that date. But I could identify with the emotional problems mentioned by the members who were part of that group at the time in many ways. Almost three and a half years ago, I reached the groups of Al, I reached Al-Anon and stayed there because my oldest daughter started using alcohol and other drugs. I then discovered to my surprise that my family of origin was greatly affected by the disease of alcoholism. My husband and I met at the anniversary celebration of one of those groups almost 10 years ago, and in these almost 10 years together, we have attended the groups and continued serving in them. Thanks to the group of Al-Anon, my daughter and I have a much healthier relationship. Although my first introductions to the 12 steps program was through the, the four and five steps group, I can say that it was only by the grace of God uh, and intended to be that way. So during those years, I did not know that the group wasn't AA that I was attending. They simply used the 12 steps of recovery from Alcoholics Anonymous, but not the traditions, to recover from other addiction problems and compulsive behaviors. And I got a little confused because I thought I was in AA. But now I have, <clears throat> excuse me, I have everything cleared up and I know that there are other options and alternatives and thanks to the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, many people have found solutions to their common problems. That's exactly it, Miss Patricia. She says, my husband, my youngest daughter, and I uh, all go to our own recovery programs. They are now in AA, Al-Anon, and Alateen, and we also keep the information from the other groups I first attended because we know there are other options for people uh, with other types of problems. But most important thing is that they come together as we did uh, and connect to a 12-step program, and they can benefit from that 12-step program and continue to carry the message to those who need it the most and want it. John, thank you so much for your time and effort to continue this project of Sober Speak. God bless you and keep you safe with all your family and friends. Big praying hands. And she says, P.S., you don't have to read this email on air as it's way too long. Um, well, I, I just did, <laughs> Patricia. And she says, gracias, I'm still studying English. Sorry for the spelling mistakes. Well, Miss Patricia, if I could... If I could speak and read and spell Spanish about one one hundredth of the way you can spell English, I would be a very happy chap indeed. So thank you so much. Oh, wait a sec. And here comes my son. Wait, in the room. Give me a little hug, buddy. <laughs> Just say, oh, thank you. Oh, thank you for the big hug. Can you say hello? Hello. There you go. <laughs> 
All right, I got to give back to listener feedback, all right? But thanks for giving me a hug. Love you. All right, Steve P. writes in. Oh, by the way, before I leave that, Patricia, thank you so much once again. Uh, thank you for writing in. I do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Steve P. writes in. In and he says, Hello, John M. I am Steve P. Love your podcast. I stumbled upon your podcast and started with some of them dealing with specific steps. But after a few random listens, I decided to start from episode one. Woo, you got a lot of listening to do there, Mr. Steve P. A few speakers resonated with me. Shannon, number 33 episode, was great. And I just happen to know her very well. And he says, it seems I can get something out of each one of them. This is such a great service you provide. Oh, you guys, man, ah, this is what keeps me going. I mean, it really does to know that there are people out there that can listen to this and gain insight into their own soul, and 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 we can share experience, strength, and hope, and you can grow from that and enhance your own spiritual path. It just means the world to me. Anyway, back to the uh, letter here. Well, not letter. You know what I mean? Email. No one. Well, some people write letters, but you get it. This is such a great service you provide, and I love your laughter at times throughout each one. Well, thank you. He says, I live in. O'Fallon, Illinois, and my home group is the O'Fallon Trailer Group. Well, if somebody's listening out there and you were part of that O'Fallon um, Trailer Group, just tell Mr. Steve P. I, say it, I said hello and, and you heard it. Anyway, he says, funny how you sometimes mention the trailer down there in Frisco. Yes, we have a trailer as well. <laughs> I bet your trailer is nicer than ours. You wouldn't believe ours, but but you know, it is where I find the God of my understanding. So strange how that works, isn't it? He says, I am an Air Force veteran in and out of sobriety for the past few months. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. And uh, I am sorry you've been in and out, but let's get it going, right? Finally getting it right, though. Yay! Through AA and the 12 steps. My sobriety date is March 28th, 2020, day 69 today. I'll, I'll leave that number 69 alone. But anyway, keep up the great work. I love it. Steve P. Thanks for writing in, Steve P. You are a hero. Thank you. And keep, keep coming back. It works if you work it. Jennifer G writes in and she says, Hi, John. I listen. I love listening to Sober Speak every morning. I live in Pem, Pembroke, New Hampshire. My sobriety date is 9-23-2011. I enjoyed the podcast so much. I'm so sorry. Gary K is my favorite, and I would like to be part of your Facebook group. And as you know, Miss Jennifer G, we got you in there. I can't remember if I mentioned this in the beginning. If you want to be a part of the Silver Speak group, please send me your email that is associated to your Facebook account to John Chihuahan at SilverSpeak.com, and we will gladly get you in there. Rob writes in, and Rob says, I am coming to you from Colorado, and I work in downtown Denver. Been there many times, Mr. Rob. I often frequent a meeting during my lunch, Brianne's, 
that is where I le- that is where I learned about Sober Speak. The group is called Happy Trudgers. And a member posted on their Facebook page with a link to Soberspeak. With quarantine just starting, it has been, in big capital letters, wonderful. It has been a wonderful resource to help fill in some of those meeting gaps. I have experienced navigating living in these unique times. I understand, Mr. Rob. I have shared Soberspeak with a few other guys that I sponsor and other folks in the program, and everyone has had such a positive review. I have so far just listened to the recordings, but I'm hoping to hit the live session tomorrow evening. So this must have been last uh, Thursday, right before we did the Friday uh, session that he sent this to me. But nonetheless, I listened to the Bill C recording uh, the day after it aired on May 9th, and I loved his message. The change he described as a result of doing the work really struck me. He said something to the effect of, Things will be different now, unquote, almost like embarking on the party of a mystic. Ooh, love that. I have not found a way to articulate my own experience and found that his words were as close as I could get to my own experience. Thank you for sharing this podcast with the world. It's helping lots of folks out here in Colorado and I'm sure in other places as well. Whereabouts are you from, John M., in solidarity, Rob T.? Well, I, Mr. Rob, am from the great country of Texas. <laughs> oh, we just like to do that to make people mad. Rob T., thank you very much for writing in. Allison writes in and she says, John, what an honor and a privilege to be fully present for last night's experience. She's talking about the live event with Mr. David G. Thank you for being a trusted servant and for using your talents to help keep me sober another day, Allison S. Well, thank you, Allison. Thanks for writing in. Thanks for coming to the live event. And that is just such a rarely, I I love how you phrase that. Thanks for what an honor and a privilege to be fully present for last night's experience. Fully present. Love it. CC writes in, CC Ryder. He says, uh, and he's on the Instagram, and he says, Thank you for an amazing platform. My first episode was one with Brenda J, and she is awesome. You picked a great one to start with there, Mr. CC. And he says, does she have an Instagram account to follow her? And I checked in with her, and unfortunately, she does not. But thanks for writing in, Mr. CC. Uh, Rebecca also writes in on the Instagram, and she says, John, I love your podcast. I've been listening almost every day. Six years will be sober in October. October, turning 30 at the end of June, started AA in 2010. I had three years, went out for a year, and now I'm back for almost six. Thank you for your service. Thank you. I'm glad you explained that because I was doing the math in my head as I was talking about that. And I said, oh, something not adding up here. Something not right. All right, everybody. That is another week in the books for Sober Speak. 
I take it one week at a time. I'm going to try to make it back next week. God bless you. Love y'all. Keep coming back. What do they say? It works if you work it all together. Thank you very much. (laughs) Bye-bye.